You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Episode 117 of Locked On Browns on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Jeff Lloyd. Um, like I said, guys, we've kind of taken Thursdays here, and this is the night we'll record new draft talk. This is kind of the joy when you're covering a team like the Cleveland Browns. You know, you can't always basically essentially talk draft when you're 0-9. So uh, with us tonight, obviously, we you know, had Matt Miller. We had Dane Brugler. Um, about four years ago, there was a small, tiny Twitter account, young guy out of Pennsylvania just trying to cut his teeth. And now all of a sudden, there's this big establishment known as NDT Scouting. Multiple guys there. Uh, so joining us tonight is the you know the founder, the director of NDT Scouting. Uh, done shows me years ago. You know we've gotten together through the years. Kyle Krabs uh, also does some work, obviously, as a draft analyst over at FanRag Sports. Kyle, how are you doing? How is everything? Hey, uh, anytime we get to talk draft is a good time. And uh, Jeff, it's great to see you back in the audio game. Uh, you certainly have the voice for it, brother. You know, it's a, it's a gift. I, I have a, a face for radio. You've got a, fo- a voice for radio. So hat tip to you. <laughs> We're the perfect beast. We're the perfect beast. Um, uh, tell me everything that's going on. Obviously, you know, between you and Joe and, you know, you're bringing in some younger guys. A lot of work's getting done. Uh, you and Joe, uh, you know, hitting up a lot of games, you know, each season hitting more and more. How's everything going for that, you know, essentially for the brand? Yeah, so this, this has been a great year for us between – uh, Joe Marino, who's my assistant at NDT, uh, Roger Dixon, who's a former Florida Gators uh, football player. He played there for two years under Jim McElwain. Had and, my, up, didn't you? and myself, uh, we we are hitting cumulative over 40 college football games this year, credential for scouting purposes. So wow. we, I mean, we've been I've I've gone as far west as Arizona, Arizona State for a couple Pac-12 games. Uh, we've been to. Uh, SEC territory, you know, last weekend Joe was in South Carolina for the Florida game. Roger was at uh, Florida LSU and Florida Tennessee, I believe, this year. So we've had the opportunity to see a lot of really great football players between our staff. And it's exciting because last year, you know, I, I went to six games and Joe went to none. And we take that and we're, we're you know, more than six, seven times that much and just really trying to dedicate – as much of our time as we can to the year-round process of the draft because the draft is not something that's necessarily from a consumer standpoint it's you know beginning of january through end of may it's a five-month window but if you're going to be as knowledgeable as you can and you're going to know as much about these players as you need to to speak educated about them and in order to you know be successful in forecasting these players as far as their trajectory you need to do it year-round that's really what we're just trying to do with NDT. Uh, absolutely and I mean you've been on this for a long time and you, you definitely put in the effort and put in the time um it, it you know as far as you know you guys go into these games now we, it's almost to the point where there's a younger generation now that this is something they are looking to really get into look to do for a living uh, I want you to talk a little bit you know a what are you getting you know a why are you you guys go into all these games and then b what are you guys getting out of the in-house experience of you know going to these games and seeing these guys live yeah i mean that that's a question we actually get quite a bit you know people want to know what's the point wouldn't you rather sit on your couch and watch like a, a 12 a 4 uh 7 30 or 8 and then a midnight game and you could watch four games in one shot but the opportunity to go to the games you know there's a couple things that are beneficial one of which 
is you get a chance to see the full field of play. You know, football is, um, I, I like to liken it to uh, a macro and micro. You know, when you get to see a TV broadcaster, you're watching a singular player, you're watching a very micro piece of the game. You're watching one out of 22 moving components at the same time. When you're there, you see it from the field, see it from the box. You're able to see all 22 pieces on the field moving simultaneously, and it really gives you a greater appreciation for exactly what's going on. So a, a further understanding of uh, how the how the play is taking place is really valuable, but then there's the opportunity to talk to people around the program, talk to coaches, sometimes the players after the games. Uh, that's really invaluable too because you know the human element of scouting players is so underrated on you know the the quote unquote draft Twitter or or media sphere uh, because you know everybody's just there at a computer because they're just watching players and making notes about the X's and O's, but the human element is there and it's very real. So that's a very valuable piece for us as well. And then obviously networking, you get a chance to meet people in the media and talk to people who have their ear to the ground all the time. You get a chance to network with the school and hopefully make some ins for some pro days. Joe Marino was at Mitch Trubisky's pro day last year, so that obviously proved to be a very helpful piece for us, and we hope to continue to do that kind of coverage going forward as well. And I, I will give you credit. Uh, you know, hat tip to you on Mitch Trubisky. Um, actually, you and uh, Mrs. Lloyd, uh, it was a rough day for me watching him You know, manhandle Florida State last year, but you were high on him, and even my wife at the time who is that guy wearing number 10? He's really, <laughs> really good. So, you know, Mrs. Lloyd, you know, she's, she will never get the credit, but, uh, you know, I will give you a credit on that, Kyle. Uh, you know, a lot of people wanted to jump on that train, but I know you were one who started it. So, you know, hat tip to you on that one. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that, brother. Um, we're going to get a little bit here. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, Cleveland Browns affiliated here with Locked On Browns. Um, before we get into, you know, the current crop of guys, and, you know, I'm going to highlight a few needs and maybe he can give me some names, and it's kind of exciting for Cleveland with six picks, could be as high as the top, you know, 65, 66, 67, which, I mean, you know, it's that is a draft delight if you're getting to it. But uh, give me some thoughts here on where they are, and I'm never going to use the word rebuild. They're in year two of the build because nothing was ever built. Um, but you know, where, you know, the young pieces you see here. You know, what have you, you know, what have you liked? You know, what are you a little concerned with over, you know, the last two halls that they've had? Yeah, you know, I I really like the core that Cleveland's been able to put together. Like their front seven's tremendous. You know, you you look at their their two deep on the front seven. They got a lot of young, athletic, dynamic athletes, um, and, and I think you see that in the run defense in Cleveland. Obviously, the offensive line has been the one piece that, that they've had strong pieces at. They may have one weak link in the chain. Uh, obviously, they need to start thinking about life after Joe Thomas. Uh, but by and large, you can look at this team and say, yeah, there's a pretty substantial core here. And it's it, it, they've built this team from the inside out, uh, which which I can definitely respect. You know, There's a couple of different schools of thought here. Uh, the offensive line has gifted pieces. They've invested in it. They have... Uh, some youth there. They brought in some free agents. The front seven is all young studs. I mean, you you look at Shelton's a guy that you know, I personally thought was a little overdrafted, but what he is, he is what he is, and and he's very good in that role. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, I was really high on coming out this year as the other defensive tackle, but making the trade for Jamie Collins. 
Uh, Emmanuel Agba has done tremendous as far as, you know, he was a great case study for me because his film was kind of meh, but he, he had good production. He had good athleticism. He had prototypical size. So you check all those boxes and it, it kind of helps prop up, you know, what is, what is kind of blase film. And, you know, you could tell this, this guy's got a real chance to stick and he's done very well to be per, uh, disruptive. Uh, obviously, Miles Garrett is there. Christian Kirks, he's playing well. So I really like the core in Cleveland. They built from the inside out. So if I'm looking forward, I want to see them add dynamic, explosive playmakers in the perimeter, whether that's on offense or defense. I think that's the next step for the Browns, aside of obviously finding a quarterback that everybody can can feel really good about. It's actually funny you brought this up because uh, I was talking with somebody, messaged somebody the other day about Ogba. And they said one of the problems was is you know and you know when you you know everyone has their theory on the Big Twelve and the style of, you know style of football they play down there, and it was you know look Ogba's in a, he was in a tough spot because I mean when you're a defensive lineman playing in the Big Twelve and you were taking so many snaps because every offense is running seventy plays and he's they like he kind of got knocked for you know you know you know third you know maybe I think we, I think he said the number was eight to twelve plays. Of the 70 snaps he actually took, he said and that was kind of the thing with him. But you see him in you know, solid presence in the running game. Now him, who was going to be the number two T- DN to the the talent that Garrett is, it, it, it's a really fun D line, and it's it's basically what their bread and butter is right now. I mean, obviously Detroit game last week, notwithstanding, you know. But maybe you know, maybe you don't sub out your whole D line for you know five six plays at a time. But that's a whole story for another day. Um, you're listening to Locked On Browns. We have the founder and director of NDT Scouting, Mr. Kyle Graves, joining us tonight. Guys, uh, Kyle was former host of Locked On Draft, John Ledyard, uh, Trevor Sakama. They do a great job with it now. Make sure you're following that show. Subscribe to it. You know, Get the listens on there five days a week. Now, getting a little bit more to you know the needs of this Cleveland team, and like you said, you know you're starting to think that maybe the talent and and updating the speed and that type of stuff on the outside portion of the now the running back position. Are we looking at a another really deep good class as we did in seventeen? Yeah, uh, I mean Saquon Barkley and Darius Geis are. Uh, blue chip players, as far as I'm concerned, I can already tell you. You know, I've run a lot of quote unquote simulations. The way I do my my scoring for draft assessments is it's very methodical. There's this whole process, and you know, I collect information on players. And you know, there's been some widely circulated testing numbers for Barkley. I don't see any way Barkley's not the top player on my draft board come April. Um, as far as film on film from a trades perspective. Uh, he is the highest film score I've ever given out. So he, he's, yeah. And Miles Garrett had that title last year. So so Miles Garrett was my top player last year. Was the highest score I ever gave out. I anticipate Saquon Barkley is going to take that title from Miles Garrett eventually. So those two guys are blue chip players. They're very very good. Below him, you got guys like Ronald Jones from USC. Uh, Damian Harris, if Bryce Love ends up coming out. And, and these are guys that in an average draft class are going to be probably fringe 
first round, at least solid second round guys and, and top running back prospects. And, and here they are, you're talking about running back five and six. And in this class, uh, it's not not an insult like it would be in some other classes because this is it's a really good class. You can find starters you know, across the board. Okay, and that's the thing because you know one thing I keep bringing up is, and it's looking more and more like you know Cleveland is going to have two picks in the top, maybe seven. It could be top six. I mean, Houston really took a blow here, obviously, but you know the loss of you know Deshaun Watson. So I say, you know, by all means, just get Barkley there because he is the capable. You know, and you know I get some backlash. You know, all the running backs shouldn't go that high. Yada yada yada. But at this point, you're Cleveland. You are, you know, you're premium. You're brand name shopping here. I'm getting what I want. I mean, I have a lot in-house, and I have these picks. I'm picking what I want, what I absolutely, you know, I have extra money right now. I'm buying the nice leather jacket that is Saquon Barkley and things of that nature. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a really fun exercise to come up with all the different combinations of potential players that the Browns can cop with these first couple of picks. Uh, Two in the top eight. I mean, if you do what what some of these other teams have done this year, uh, the, the Saints didn't have the luxury of having two top picks in the in the top eight, but the Saints hit home runs on their first four oh, picks this year. It. I mean, they got Marshawn Lattimore, who's playing like a top five corner in the NFL. Ryan Ramchek, who's their starting right tackle, who's a, an absolute butt kicker. And then you got a starting free safety in Marcus Williams, and you have Alvin Kamara running back that they took early in the third round. I mean – that that is as good a way as any to turn your entire franchise around is to hit a home run with your draft class like the Saints did this year. And it's paying dividends. I think they're seven and two. So Cleveland, you know, this as we said, there, there's a core here. This doesn't have to be a four or five year process. This can be something where this team, if they get, you know, depending on if you feel they need to make some changes in the coaching staff, whether that's top to bottom or a couple guys here or there. If they make the tweet, the necessary tweaks, if they bring in good football players, which they are going to have the chance to do, this team can be competitive starting next year. No, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, we're going to get here now. Um, Greg Williams is infatuated and truly wants the deep, single-high, free-safety type of guy. He does not have one on his roster now, and I feel bad for Jarrell Peppers. Look, I, I, you know, as much as I knocked him and gave him a hard time during the draft process last year, it's terrible when you see a guy trying to man a position that he is not capable of playing. Is there someone, you know, I understand, you know, I know they had, you know, thoughts on Malik Hooker. Is there somebody that they can get here in, you know, with, you know, four picks in the top 40 who can play this single high role that Greg so desperately covets? Yeah. Um, if I'm looking at the free safety group, uh, I think Minka Fitzpatrick can play anywhere on the back four. Uh I, I just watched five of his games from this year uh, a couple days ago, and my goodness, he's he is Miles Jack in the secondary. As far as you can play him in the nickel, you can play him in man-to-man, you can play him in press man on the boundary. He can play free safety. He can buzz down and be a robber in the intermediate and shallow areas of the field. He can be a pressure player. I mean, he can do so much. So if you want to go high end, he's not going to have the experience explosive range of a Malik Hooker and he doesn't necessarily have the ball skills of Malik Hooker but he's a more complete football player than Malik Hooker so if you want to consider him with that second pick in the top 10 if he ends up being there 
uh, that's a reasonable proposition. Uh, maybe a player, uh, maybe somebody like Armani Watts, if you want to get maybe if they move uh, uh, that pick in the fringe 40s and they, they move back a little bit with that or they if Watts ends up sliding. Armani Watts is a guy I really like. He's got ball skills. He's a very versatile athlete. Um, he plays free safety for Texas A&M. And you watch that UCLA-Texas A&M game from week one, and I think it's really telling because they picked on the other safety. They didn't really try their luck. Josh Rosen knew better than to really try his luck with Armani Watts. So I think that's something worth noting. And he's a player that's a little bit under the radar right now, but as far as the movement skills and the range that you want as a true single high guy, I think he can fill that role. Yeah, and, and that's even the thing. Like, you don't need the elite of the elite to play this position because right. you look at this D-line, they're eventually going to be, you know, I mean, they're only going to get better with the youth that they have. So it doesn't have, you know, they're only going to have to cover for three seconds with the type of, you know, pass rushers this team has. And probably they, they're going to need to add maybe another pass rusher here. Um, wide receiver position. Look, Corey Coleman, as much as I love them, you know, th- you can't ignore the fact that there's some injury concerns there. Josh Gordon, the guy is a world beater. But, look, you cannot dr- trust Josh Gordon but from now till breakfast. Um, so something's going to have to be added there. Maybe give you a, a couple words here on, you know, maybe top two or three guys here that you think. And it's just crazy to talk about because this is the position Cleveland's in. And even if a run starts at a position, the way these picks are staggered for Cleveland, they can either start the run or they're going to be right involved in the run because it's, you know, one, two in the top ten, then one, two in the second. Then, you know, know, the Eagles pick at the end of the second and then leading off the third round right now. Yeah, they got these picks staggered really well. Uh, Looking at the wide receiver position, if you're looking for – a top tier guy. I don't really know there is one this year. This is not a good year to need a wide receiver in the top 10. So that in one hand is a bummer for the Browns, but it also plays into the Browns favor because of how many extra picks that they have. So if you look at the Browns wide receivers, uh, before Gordon came back, the one thing that was really glaringly missing was some size. You know, they, they did really well. I thought to bring in a Joku last year, and they have Seth the Valve, and I'm hoping to see Njoku continue to get more on the same page with Kaiser. It seems like the other two passers had better uh, chemistry and timing with Njoku than Kaiser does right now. Um, but I think Njoku can really be a weapon in the receiving game. But if you want to get some size on the boundary, somebody like Auden Tate, Florida State. Jeff, I know you know him really well. Yep, yep. So Auden Tate is a guy I think is going to be a much better pro than he is college player. He's got all the size. Uh, they played Alabama opening week of the year, and Auden Tate essentially Randy Moss Minka Fitzpatrick in the end zone for a touchdown. So uh, that was a really eye-opening play for me. If you want more crisp route runners, guys that are really polished, which is good as Corey Coleman is as an athlete, he was never a polished route runner. He was all athlete. And that's kind of how I view a guy like Christian Kirk this year, where Christian Kirk is an explosive straight line athlete. I don't see a lot of polish as a wide receiver. So if you're going to get later with these picks for the Browns, Anthony Miller from Memphis is a name that I really, really like. Miller's, he reminds me some of Taewon Taylor from last year. Um, Apparently he's a little bit more explosive than Taewon Taylor. Um, 
I, I think he's just a terrific Z receiver at the next level where he's got enough juice to, to get vertical and get behind you. You can move him in the slot, move him all around. Um, he's another name that I really like, and I would be remiss to not mention uh, Calvin Ridley from Alabama. He's a little bit older, but the jump that he's made this year, the production's not going to be there because Jalen Hurts isn't a passing quarterback, but the jump that he's made as far as his route running and movement skills and, and really shaking guys on his route stems, uh, he's been a man possessed this year. It's been really fun to watch him because his athletic gifts are really rare. Yeah, and the thing with Ridley, and he's a guy I bring up a lot, is I, I, I like the yak ability, and that's something you have to keep in mind when you're playing in the AFC North. And the other thing is, you know, I, I, technique, look, all these guys, look, they're phenomenal athletes, every, almost every single one of them. But what I see is is the hands are at the belly, at the belly button when the head turns. And it, it's such a simple thing. And look, I'm five foot ten. I weighed 160 pounds. That's how I got to college, knowing how to catch the ball. But you don't see it from these guys now because they are such phenomenal athletes. They can, you know, they don't actually, you know, they don't really have to follow the rules. But Ridley, as the head turns, the hand is in triangle formation, right at his belly button. He can catch the ball high, low, you know, up, up and away, low and away. He, it's, it, you know, and granted, he should be able to do all this stuff at 23 years old. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to graze away from the age thing. And maybe it was Greg Gabriel and some of these other guys that, look, no second contract is ever guaranteed. So don't get so caught up in the age thing. And, and that's kind of where I'm at with Kevin Ridley because I think he would slide right in. And maybe it's good when you have a team like this. He's going to slide right in as a rookie, but he's going to be at the same age as the rest of these guys. So, you know, maybe it's a, it's a really good fit. I like Ridley. Look, Alden Tate, you know, oh, my God, he got my hands clapping. And you think of a guy with his size playing in the AFC North, that works as well. Um, one other thing is uh, – Oh, I got two more, but Jason McCourty, you know, obviously here now, you know, it's going to be year 10 going to 18. You can't count on him to play again like he's played this year. You're going to have to address the quarterback one position. Greg Williams seems to like the tall, the long guys, uh, maybe a corner or two who could fit maybe, uh, you know, you know, with Greg. I'm going to stay right in your wheelhouse here, Jeff. I'm going to talk about uh, Tavares McFadden for starters. Um <sighs> Yeah, so, so McFadden's had kind of an up-and-down year. It's been a rough year for everybody. I mean, the losing yeah, was, is not helping in Tallahassee. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's really hard to kind of gauge. Because you can tell this, that locker room in Florida State's just, like, falling apart at the seams. Like, no, but, like, there's guys quitting on plays. And when it breaks down that bad, like, it, it's really hard to keep the context as far as, you know, the, the skill that a player has. Tavares is going to be really attractive in a draft profile because he's got length and he's got ball skills. So anytime you put those two things together, that's how you see a guy like Kevin King shoot up draft boards and and get all this buzz around him like he did last year for Washington and ultimately be an early second round pick. So uh, I think that's one. I also really like Quentin Meeks from Stanford. Uh, he's another big physical corner, uh, really stands out. They've actually got two. I think I believe uh, Elijah Holder is another name to kind of circle there. Isaiah Oliver from Colorado is another six-foot-plus guy with ball skills. Um, if you wanted to go just based off of talent, I think Jair Alexander is really worth discussing 
I love that Clemson game last year because he was just so nasty. Like, dude, yeah. bring it every play. Go throw at me every single down. That's what I want. Yep, and he's he's got the dog in him. It was great to see him. I was down in Louisville last weekend to watch the game against Virginia, and it's safe to say he's back. He was laid up early in the season with, I believe it was an ankle injury, really kind of cost him some games. He was in and out of the Clemson game, um, but he's back. And his foot quickness is elite. And his ability to stay in a hip pocket, collision, and play through the hands of receivers at the catch point, I mean, it's all great stuff. It's just a question, are you going to ding him because he's 5'10 and a half or 5'11? I hear you. I hear you. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just, you know, I mean, especially with the cornerback position, the guy who's just got that just throw at me all day attitude you got to love. Um, obviously, look, uh, with the rest of the quarterback roster in Cleveland, Look, if me, I'm scrapping everybody who's not named Deshaun Kaiser, and I am bringing in as many guys that I think can actually win for me on a Sunday. And look, Deshaun can play like Tom Brady from here on out, and I'm still adding to the position. We, you know, obviously you, the draft guy, we won't talk free agent guys. Um, talk a little bit here on a couple of quarterbacks. You know, I know uh, the young guy down in Norman has really caught your eye this year, but uh, give us a little talk on the quarterbacks before we let you go here tonight, Kyle. Yeah, I, I love Baker. I'll just come straight out and say it. Uh, Baker's got so many plus traits. Um, I will say this about Baker. I don't expect him to be drafted all that early because the NFL's really stubborn about taking quarterbacks that don't fit the profile that early. So Baker at six foot one, 220 pounds, the frame is fine. You know, the size is fine. But I guarantee you, you put Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield in a room and stand them next to each other, and you have them throw a football to 10 yards to somebody just standing there, NFL coaches are immediately going to want to talk to Mason Rudolph first, whether it's right or not. And that kind of feeds into what makes Baker so great, because he's got this massive chip on his shoulder. He's got a list of people that have told him he would never make it, going all the way back to like middle school. Um... And I know some people want to, are, are scared of the Johnny Manziel comparison there. I'm here to tell you it's not legit. No, just, not. just let it go. Uh, there's a couple superficial surface similarities between the two. They're both short. They both excel outside of the structure of the play. Uh, they Baker had one run-in with the law. And from all, inten- from, from all indications, everybody that's around Baker just heaps praise on him. It started the day he was in Norman, though, with that video with him dancing in front of all those teammates. They were excited as hell to have him. Yep, yep. Everybody loves him and in Oklahoma, and I don't think that's a coincidence. He is a team leader through and through. Uh, he's tough. He puts his body on the line for his teammates, so he's a guy I would cater for. But if I'm looking at the quarterback landscape, and if you're going to ask me, okay, who's a guy that's, that's going to go in the top ten? I know there's some quote-unquote character concerns with this one too but josh rosen is probably the most gifted quarterback in this draft class throws and the I, ball yeah oh my goodness gracious his delivery is tremendous he gets a little greedy at times he tries to play hero ball sometimes but uh i had the chance to see josh down in memphis back in september and see him play live and that game ended up being i think like it was like 48 to 45 or 45 to 42 or something like that. And Josh threw an ugly, ugly pick that was returned yep. for an interception in that game. Eli yes. Yeah. And, and people are going to feed off 
that play. He's got like five or six of those throws this year that they're like, oh, that's Eli Manning's a great comparison for him. I don't really think so. I think he, he's more, for me, more Matt Ryan. You know, Matt Ryan threw a ton of picks in college, uh, and he was throwing to scrubs. It's called Spade Spade here. Uh, Rosen's not throwing NFL receivers. You know, Darren yeah. Andrews has done well for himself this year. The tight end, Caleb Wilson, ended up on, uh, uh, I believe he was on injured reserve for, for a foot injury or an ankle injury. So he, he played like the first month of the season. Josh Rosen doesn't have a lot of NFL help around him at UCLA. And UCLA has a terrible track record of taking really good, talented football players and not developing them. So <laughs> Rosen's, ath- not even athletic ability, Rosen's natural ability as a passer really stands out to me. He's going to fit the quote-unquote size profile that NFL teams want to see for a potential franchise quarterback. I think he's the best blend of traits, actual on-the-field production, and and that's kind of an acknowledgement of, say, a Josh Allen from Wyoming, where Allen certainly checks the box. He's a big, strong kid. Mason Rudolph's a big, strong kid. But Mason Rudolph plays in this this Oklahoma State spread offense and does not do well with pressure. And Josh Allen just really struggles at the level of competition that he's at. I feel terrible for the kid. So much much pressure was put on him. It's It's bad. It was a really, really awkward situation, you know, for the buzz to, to build before the declaration period last year and for him to decide to come back and people are comparing him to Cam Newton and you watch the film and it's like, yeah, he's, he's got tools, but he is nowhere close to the level that some people are saying that he's at. And I, I still don't buy into him being, you know, a potential first overall pick. I, I expect that that buzz is going to die down at some point. Rosen for me is probably the favorite to be my top quarterback. Obviously, we got to let the rest of the year play out. We got to continue to watch the tape and see where these guys end up at the end of the season where their full body work. But if you had to ask me, Rosen's probably my quarterback one. Baker Mayfield's probably my quarterback two. I hear you. And the thing with Baker, and uh, I actually talked about this, uh, I think it was Mark Schofield. Baker's going to fall in that plus 20 range in the first round. Where, you know, some really good team who has a track record of always being good is like, well, what is wrong with y'all? Yeah, we'll take the kid. No problem whatsoever. Um, I'm going to just ask one more before we let you go here. Um, Obviously, the DNs are in place in Cleveland. Give me one guy. I don't care if he can play the run. Cleveland probably is going to want to add just a – I mean, look, when you have this many picks, you never ignore a pass rusher because you can't have enough of them. Some guy that fits in here who is just an absolute straight-up demon in the pass rush game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out Agbanya Okoronku from Oklahoma. Thank you uh, for saying it because I didn't want to say it. <laughs> I can't so, pronounce it yet. Agbanya reminds me of Yannick Ngakwe coming out of Maryland a couple years ago. Now with I'm the still Jaguars. starting to just ignore him. Yeah, man. He, um, Yannick's a dog, man. And, and Yannick's short and thick, just like uh, – Banya is so when you watch those two guys play they convert speed to power really well they have a good first step they know how to use their size to their advantage by diminishing their surface area and cornering they'll duck that inside shoulder they'll work their hips around an offensive tackle they've got speed to power to collapse in a bowl situation if they need to and they're both relentless that's my favorite trait for pass rushers is do you get after it do you care and Okoronku's out there against Texas 
and he's half passed out. He's trying to make plays. He's penetrating into the backfield, and he can't quite break down and finish, but he's forcing the quarterback off his spot and allowing teammates to kind of flow and finish the plays. And he's sucking wind on the sideline, and you can see Baker come up to him right before the last possession, say one more time. And Okoronku goes out there on third down, and he slices through the offensive line, and he makes a really big pressure that ends up sealing the game for Oklahoma. So those kinds of things, they don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet because we're all so enamored with just sacks. But Okoronku is one of the most disruptive pass rushers in college football. I love him. He's a team leader. So if Cleveland comes away with a couple Sooners here in the first couple rounds, I think they'd be doing really well for themselves. Well, the way it's working out, it's going to be a couple of Sooners, a couple of Seminoles, a couple of Seminoles, uh, you know, a Crimson Tide. Oh my God! But that's the thing; they are in such a great position, and you know, and look as much. And even if you're zero and nine now, oh, it's. I know my fan base is tough. They're upset, guys. At this point, you don't want to win a game. Get yourself set up here, where it is literally you are going high end shopping with a, you know, basically with a, an American Express black card. You get everything you want. Uh, Locked on Browns, episode 117. Kyle Krabs, founder, director of NDT Scouting. Kyle, thanks so much for the time, bro. I appreciate it, buddy. Jeff, thanks for having me on, bud. Let's do it again sometime. Oh, trust me, I'm going to bother the living daylights out of you and Joe <laughs> between uh, January and uh, April. Kyle, congratulations. I appreciate, you know, I, I respect it as much. I know the work you guys are putting in. I pre, you know, I respect it. I'm so happy for you guys that it's all working out. It's coming up roses. You guys are showing up in games all over the place. It's great for you all. I appreciate you know, definitely. Thank you, man. All right, guys. Uh, Locked on Browns, episode 117. Tomorrow night, Pete Smith will do some uh, Browns breakdown. But other than that, kids, we'll talk to you tomorrow night. Let's go Browns.